When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat, and the hockey world is basically on fire right now. There's a lot going on around the NHL. There's a lot going around in hockey in general. As we speak right now, Team Canada is, is starting their quarterfinal matchup at World Juniors. Braden Yeager, Penguins' first round pick of this past season is the third line center for Canada as they look to advance to the semifinals of the 2024 World Juniors. Between that, the Winter Classic yesterday was a really interesting game. I had the Seattle Kraken money line, but unfortunately, I parlayed that with the over six, which was far away from hitting. But hey, a great Winter Classic. Solid World Juniors up to this point. We're now into the actual tournament phase of this, not the preliminary round, so should be pretty interesting. But Horwat, have you watched any outside of the Pittsburgh Penguins? Have you watched any hockey over the past weekend? <laughs> not really. It's been uh, focusing on the Penguins, focusing on um, the new year. It was a rough day for me on New Year's Day, more than just having a few drinks on New Year's Eve. Uh, but, you know, I won't dive too deep into stuff. But, you know... The Penguins are looks like returning to health. They're you know, they're on this hot streak. It's hard to it's hard for me to look outside of the Penguins at the moment. Um, I mean, when you enter a new year at a seven one and one clip, and maybe maybe Brian Rust returns tonight, you got good things. You got good mojo going. You don't really want to look too far outside of the game ahead of you, the team in front of you, and you know I keep peeking in on the World Juniors. I get the World Juniors is a, huge, a massive tournament around the world. It is awesome to see. I just haven't had the time to see it, nor do I have NHL Network to really, you know, mm-hmm. keep it on in the background even. But um, if Braden Yeager seems to be doing good. You see him pot a couple of goals already and an assist here and there. He's uh, Things looking good in Penguins land. Things are looking good in Penguins land, but before we get back, you know, deeper into Penguins land, just want to shout out the PWHL. They kicked off yep. their inaugural season yesterday. Very excited for for women's hockey to be taking that step. Very excited to follow along with that season as well. Like I mentioned, hockey is is up right now. Entering 2024 on a high note is the NHL, especially Gary Bettman mentioned yesterday that they are in the works. They're setting to announce or preparing to announce a best-on-best international tournament. That was his response to being asked about the NBA's in-season tournament. He said, quote, I don't think our regular season needs that added spice. Instead, he said, what that's going to be is a best-on-best international tournament. So we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that. Would love to see Sidney Crosby don the Team Canada colors. Would love to see Jake Gensel don the Team USA colors. And maybe even Tristan Jari up in Team Canada as well. Canada's uh, got a couple issues when it comes to their goaltenders. Not as hot as it used to be when it was Carey Price, Marc-Andre Fleury, and there was a third name there too. Roberto Uh, Luongo. Roberto Luongo. Yeah, always Roberto Luongo. But... Let's jump into the Pittsburgh Penguins here because, like you mentioned, they did finish 2023 as the hottest team in the NHL. 7-2-1 in their last 10. 7-1-1 since that Kyle Dubas press conference that we keep going back to as a delineation point. They've been playing really good hockey. They've won three straight games, and now they start 2024 one standings point outside of a playoff spot. With that said, Horwat, if I had to ask you today, we're still a couple months out from the trade deadline, but if I had to ask you today, are the Pittsburgh Penguins buyers or are they sellers at the 2024 trade deadline? You know, given this current trend, you almost have to be buyers. You almost have to um, reward this team for the work it's been doing uh, because it's been, it has been more than just, you know, the key veteran guys. I mean, Sidney Crosby, uh, I believe is now off the 50 goal pace, much like he was at this exact point last year. Um, but the depth is doing things. Uh, Lars Eller potted a couple of goals against the Islanders. Nolachari had the third one. Th- th- those are three bottom six or two bottom six names right there. 
Um, before then, we we saw Jeff Carter have this weird awakening. Jeff Carter is suddenly useful to the lineup again. It is more than just the stars doing things. I mean, yes, Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang, and we'll get well, we can talk about Carlson at another time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stars are still doing their thing. But the depth is waking up a little. Ricardo Kell scored a goal in two straight games. J- Jansen Harkins, by the way, has points in two straight. Suddenly, mm-hmm. the lineup is seeing production from more than just the core group. And the goaltending is off the charts right now. It's This is looking like a team as much as it is still a little early uh, mm-hmm. to label teams as buyers or sellers. Think The wheels could still fall off at any given moment. But at this very moment... This is a team that looks like you should be rewarding with a nice piece. I don't know exactly what that could be, but <laughs> this is a time to, at the moment, label them early as buyers. Yeah, if the trade deadline was tomorrow, I think we're both in agreement that it is 100% you're buying if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I think it's very important to realize that there's a reason Kyle Dubas gave them until the All-Star break, until he said he would have complete understanding of where this team is at and what this team is is because they could go on a nine game heater they could go seven one and one in their next nine games but it's important that they continue to win past that and they have up until the trade deadline which I believe not the trade deadline the all-star break which I believe is 12 more games a lot of those games tonight against the Washington Capitals they have the Philadelphia Flyers coming up on the schedule they have the Boston Bruins coming up on the schedule a lot of Eastern Conference teams the Canadiens and the Panthers again this month they got a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that are right above them that are on their schedule this month so it's going to be important that they continue to stay on this pace to continue to be in that buyer's kind of mindset that buyer's positioning in the NHL standings when I look at the Penguins though as of right now knowing that the trade deadline is however long away that it is, I see them kind of in a similar position to where the Buffalo Sabres were last year. Now, I understand Buffalo Sabres are in a completely different spot in the organization in history than the Pittsburgh Penguins are right now. The Sabres are a young team looking to build, looking to make sure that they get into the playoffs for the first time in however many years. Penguins are looking for that one last gasp. But the thought process remains the same. What you saw with Kevin Adams last year is his team was doing well. They weren't in a playoff spot, but he still wanted to reward them. What he did was go out and get, I believe it was Marcus Johansson. He got one player that was a veteran that was a little bit of, like you mentioned, hey, here's a here's a reward. We're bringing this guy in. But in exchange, he didn't send out a lot of draft capital, and he didn't send out anybody from the roster. He basically said, I don't want to hurt the future to bring somebody in, but I also don't think they're in a position to where I need to swing big to bring this person in to push them over the top. They weren't quite there yet. I think that's where the Penguins are in this season. They're not quite to a position where it's time to swing big, it's time to go get the biggest name on the market, but they're still in a position where you would like to see them add maybe a piece in the bottom six, maybe a piece on defense just to try to give them that little extra oomph and also, like you mentioned, reward them for the positive play they've had over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, they're getting there. They're getting to that point of having that reward uh, be eligible, essentially, for them. Mm-hmm. They're taking those steps. I mean, you move the goalposts. We, we do move the goalposts a little whenever we say hottest team in the NHL going into the new year. It's in the last nine games, and mm-hmm. I believe there's a couple of teams that have the exact same, if not one game better, of the last ten you know, but it's nuts. And here we are with a genuinely good hockey team that looks like they're producing at a high level and are soon to be getting to that point of deserving the reward of a nice piece down mm-hmm. the line. So I mentioned that it could be a piece in the bottom of the forward lineup. It could be a piece on defense. To you, if you could make one move right now, and the Penguins had to make only one move right now, which area do you think the Penguins have a bigger need at? That's tough to say because the defense seems to be faulty, but also you're not moving those guys. You just can't. And also the depth in the minors is pretty solid that you can, if you need, if you're trying to make the change in the third pairing, bare minimum, you got the options for that. Um, and, and as for the forward group, I, you know, we're projecting forward lines. I just kind of drew mine up while we've been sitting here and suddenly I'm looking at it going, there's a bit of a surplus there too because you draw something up and you realize who's not in it. Um, so I would say, if anything, maybe the defense is what needs to see a change and see a see a move, see an addition because mm-hmm. 
mean, P.O. Joseph's still riding in the press box. It's not, I mean, he's been sick the last couple of games, but he wasn't playing before then anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know exactly what is going on slash what you can even do with Ryan Graves. And something needs to wake up there. John Ludwig is absolutely stealing a role, by the way. That's one thing that Kyle Dubas in that presser said. Yeah. You know, regardless of what those numbers say about John Ludwig, uh, Kyle Dubas said he wanted someone to step up and run away with the third pairing role. So far, John Ludwig, through fists and hits, is doing it. He's yeah. at least asserting himself as a useful piece of the lineup. I, I don't know why. I get the idea of everyone, no one being too happy with him fighting off the draw. Who cares? It's it, Again, it's the third pairing defenseman. You're not super worried about it. And at the end of the day, we won. Penguins won. <laughs> and Ludwig said after, you know, yeah, he got his butt handed to him, but he'll see him again. Yeah. It's a little, I liked that he said, I'm sure I'll see him again. All right. Looks like he is, Ludwig is A, wanting to stick around and B, willing yeah. to be a combatant with a veteran like that again. In my eyes, he's stealing that role. So I'd say a forward is what needs to be moved. Uh, in a way, or sorry, defensive is what needs to be moved in a way, but above him. Yeah, I think we should be clear on the fact that they could use upgrades in both areas. You mentioned there's a surplus yeah. of names. There's a surplus of NHL slash AHL talent. I, I do think that you need some more quality over the quantity. They certainly have the, the latter of those two, but I think that you could use upgrades in both areas. When you look at the forward side, yes, they're getting more scoring from the bottom six, like you mentioned of late. Goals from Eller, Carter, O'Connor, Zahorna, and Pustinen during this very three-game win streak. But I still think they need somebody with a little bit more consistent scoring touch in that bottom six. Now, Pustinen, that he might be that guy, but he's still a rookie, and you still have to expect a rookie wall at some point. I do like the way he's performed, but you look at these other guys. Zahorna has hit that wall, even though he is not a rookie. He's 27 years old. Carter and Eller are going to be what they're going to be. They're going to be inconsistent goal scorers. Same with Drew O'Connor. So I think they need somebody with a little bit more of a consistent scoring touch in the bottom six. But also, when I look at the defense, I think they have way more worrisome holes than the forward side of things. And and you alluded to the fact that they probably need to add somebody on defense. You like Ludwig. You maybe add above him, but there's not a lot of space above him considering the amount of money that is currently being invested in the Penguins' top four. Let's get into the Pittsburgh Penguins' defense with that. I mean, they're fourth in the NHL in goals against above expected. And that goes directly towards the performance of Tristan Jari, Alex Nedeljkovic, and honestly, let's throw a bone to him, Andy Kyoto, the Penguins goaltending coach. Because fourth in goals against above expected is 100% a goaltender stat. So they're great when it comes to their goaltending and the way that their goaltending has made up for some lapses on defense. Because the Penguins are also currently ranked 22nd in expected goals allowed per 60 minutes last year they finished 21st so slightly worse and then let's look at the money that they're investing they had an expensive blue line last year they're paying over two million dollars more for their blue line this year and they're slightly worse than they were defensively while you can talk all you want about eric carlson's defense his offense hasn't quite made up for it this season to this point will it in the future potentially But the fact is, defensively, this defense got worse, even though there's been more money spent on it this season. Yeah, I think we all all enjoyed the idea of Eric Carlson coming in, and we still will, I believe. We got time. He is still a very skilled player. Something's up right now. I'm sure something will just kind of wake up. He's a veteran player. Things like this happen. And as a veteran player who's a future Hall of Famer, you know how to work through it. The Ryan Graves thing is a situation. Yeah, like we're all in agreement there. The Ryan Graves thing is a situation. Everyone that I ask is at this point because of the contract length and because it was just signed. It's not going anywhere. It's a. It's not going anywhere. And everyone I ask is just really hoping this is similar to the Paul Martin Sergey Gonchar situation, where their first year here, their first little bit here was just horrendous, and ended up, you know, after a little while, turned out to be. You know, Sergei Gonchar, stuff of legend. We talk about him as mm-hmm. one of the greatest defensemen in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Martin, we don't you know put up into that echelon, but I, I think of Paul Martin as someone that's, it's really disappointing he didn't win a cup in his career, let alone win a cup here. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously some hope that Ryan Graves can still turn it around, and that hope is probably resonating through 
coaching staff and front office as well. So don't expect Ryan Graves to go anywhere, but for the moment, you got to figure out what to do with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it means sitting him out a couple of games to maybe light a fire again, is that even an option? Who are you filling into that role? Maybe in addition. Yeah. It's a lot of money being spent though too. I mean, $10 million on Carlson. I'm, it's fun that there hasn't been a ton of discussion about that $10 million yet. Yet. It's coming. It, it'll come if this trend continues. Um, Crystal Tang needs no introduction. He's doing fine. And the Ryan Graves at 4-5, <laughs> while it isn't a super high number, it's more than he's playing at right now. You're playing. You're paying Ryan Graves more than you paid Brian Dumlin. And I understand the yeah, back end true. of that Dumlin contract was rough. But the front end of this Graves contract so far has been just as rough. And and here's the thing. You mentioned that they're talking about, oh, the Paul Martins and the Sergey Gonchars, how the first season was bad. I think that same thing should apply to Eric Carlson. Maybe not on the defensive side. This might be exactly what we're expecting in that zone. But maybe, you know, trying to get used to this new team, Eric Carlson, maybe he needs a little bit more time to get used to playing in the Pittsburgh Penguins system, to get used to playing with the Pittsburgh Penguins stars. Who knows? Now, here's the thing. This is an instant gratification team. Mm -hmm. They need it because they're trying to win a Stanley Cup now. They're not trying to win a Stanley Cup in four years. In four years, the majority of the core is either going to be done or going to be on their last leg. At this point, they want to win a Stanley Cup now, so you need instant gratification from a guy that you gave six years to and $4.5 million to. You want instant gratification from a guy that is a three-time Norris Trophy winner, that is coming off of a 101-point season and is touted as one of the best offensive defensemen in the National Hockey League in the history of the National Hockey League, excuse me, and he's not producing at the level that you're expecting him to. There's instant gratification that is asked for right now, but the thing is, with these two guys, you might not get it, and at the end of the day, it's not going to mean they're going to get rid of them. They're going to stick with these guys. They just got them, and they're heavily invested in both of these human beings on the defensive side of the puck. The question then becomes, as you alluded to, how do you lessen the blow of their negative impact? I think Carlson less so than than Graves, because Carlson has been half decent defensively. He turns the puck over way too much for anybody's liking in the defensive zone. And the offensive side just hasn't meshed to this point. It did for a couple stretches, but hasn't overall. I think that's something you expect to get better sooner rather than later. Graves is the bigger issue. And like you mentioned, I wouldn't take him out of the lineup. I don't think that does anything at this point for a 28, 29 year old, however old Ryan Graves is. But I do think you need to move him down in the lineup. I do think you need to give him less responsibility. And I do think you need to match him up with a partner that's going to help him succeed a little bit more than putting him on a pairing with Eric Carlson and just saying, well, we'll see how this goes. I mean, the, the Wild West is not even a close enough comparison to what those two are on the ice together. Yeah, and one of the big things, too, that holds up Eric Carlson as to maybe we're giving him less flack overall. Yeah. Um, we saw it already this season. That's why he's not getting the same sort of yeah. status of, like, the Sergei Gontra or the Paul Martins, like we mentioned. It's because we this season, not so much, you know, the pedigree he's coming in with. This year, we have already seen... Eric Carlson put up stupid numbers. I was trying to get the thing to low, but uh, it's being weird. But in it, he had a point of stretch of games where it was, I believe, seven or eight game point streak for 15, 13 points. Mm-hmm. We saw it already this season of what he can bring. So this downfall into a pit of misery almost. I mean, you're right. Like He's turning the puck over too much in the defensive zone. But at the same time, there are times in the Ozone where it's it, it's questionable. It, there's something almost, it almost looks like there's something mentally going on there. It is more than just lack of production. It's um, on the, if you go back far enough into the play that led to the Penguins' first goal against the Islanders, he looked like he was skating off of, like, attempting to try and skate off the ice, and the puck was passed to him. Yeah. Ended up bouncing a proper way and turning into a goal. But there's uh, there's lapses going on now. So it's, mm. for Carlson, it might be a mental thing. If that gets figured out, which again, future Hall of Fame athletes usually figure that out. Yeah. Boom. Next thing you know, he's scoring at that 13 point in eight game, whatever it was thing. It was 13 points in eight games. I went back and looked at it. At it. it was the end of November or end of October, yeah. excuse me, into the beginning of November, 13 points in eight games. He also had in that stretch, I believe, let me look here real quick, one, two, three, they, he had four multi-point games in that. Yeah. 
So or five, excuse me, multi-point games in that. So he has shown, like you mentioned, yeah. the the upper echelon of scoring from the blue line. Obviously, Chris Letang has stepped on that major right now over the last couple of week games, but they need Eric Carlson to get up to that level because the reason they want and got Eric Carlson is to have that level of play coming from both him and Letang simultaneously, which gives the Pittsburgh Penguins an attack that is fairly unique in the National Hockey League and difficult to defend. So mm-hmm. I think we both agree that you know, it is the defense, and it is something that has to give with that second pairing. The Penguins, they have one of the best top pairings, at least in my eyes. I would put Pedersen Latang as a top pairing against almost any other pairing in the National Hockey League. That's great. They have several guys on the third pairing. Yes, you'd like one to be a little bit better. Uh, yes, you'd like it to be a little bit more sturdy. But, yeah. I mean, you mentioned John Ludwig. I think he's been all right. I, I, I think... Obviously, I think he's endeared himself to the fan base a little bit more than most in that little role of third pairing defense right now because he does bring that physicality, because he doesn't back down from challenges. I mean, when's the last time we saw a Pittsburgh Penguin get into three fights in the first half of the season that weren't just scrums, like their actual fights? When's the yeah. last time we saw a Penguin drop the gloves off and face off? We, we just haven't seen that. And the Pittsburgh Penguins fan base absolutely loves it. It's a blue collar town. It's always been that way. And they want their teams to be that way. That's why John Ludwig is so appealing to a lot of this fan base, but he's also, he's been average, I would say. His underlyings are slightly below average, which compared to, I mean, Chad Ruedel, I I think he gives you enough more that he gets the edge on that. He gives you the same underlying numbers as Ryan Shea, but that physical edge is what gets him in the lineup over Ryan Shea, and I don't know what's going on with P.O. Joseph. So I, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to defer on P.O. Joseph at this point because his underlying numbers are terrific. It just doesn't match up with the eye test and certainly something the Pittsburgh Penguins have kind of alluded to by not putting him in the lineup, even mm-hmm. when healthy. So um, this defense core, I think, is is missing at least a piece, maybe two pieces. Um, but at the end of the day, you look around the NHL right now, there's so much parity and so many teams that are. Right there, next to a playoff spot, there's not a lot of teams that are looking to sell at this very moment. That might change by the end of this month. That might change by the middle of February. But right now, there's not a lot of players that are out there. I mean, the the cream of the crop, and this is very unrealistic because he has a $4.25 million salary cap hit, even though it's the last year, and it's going to be a rental. And like I mentioned, I don't think the Penguins are willing to overpay right now for a rental. The cream of the crop would be Noah Hannafin from left defense. If you can go out and get him, I mean, he's six foot three. He eats up massive minutes on the Calgary blue line, and he's had strong underlying numbers throughout his career. If you can go and get him, great. That's probably a fix to your problems. You put him next to Carlson, and you just go. And then you put maybe Graves on the third pairing and move Ludwig off to his off wing because he's played there a lot this season, and you just you just go. But like I said, highly unrealistic. In particularly right now when the Pittsburgh Penguins are probably not sold on being big time buyers and going after the top name on on the trade market. Yeah, it's it's just we need to look for an addition piece almost. And I'm thinking of the idea of Noah Hannafin. And once again, the question needs to be asked, who's playing defense? Yeah. Between Latang, Carlson and Ludwig on the right side, Ludwig not playing defense for other reasons than why Ty Smith wouldn't have. Now you're throwing Pedersen, <laughs> Noah Hannafin, and uh, Ryan Graves on the third. Suddenly it's Ryan Graves and Marcus Pedersen here to pick up the defense. And we see yeah, how I... one of them is doing this year. And hey, and Chris Letang is playing great defensively this year. And Noah Hannafin, I just haven't seen enough of the, seen enough of him to know how he plays on both sides of the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously something has earned him the right of his contract that he's coming off of, and this status in the NHL. So obviously there's something there. I just haven't seen enough, but it's just hearing the name, knowing there's an offensive acumen and immediately wondering who's playing defense. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, even if Noah Hannafin isn't playing great defense, he's probably playing better defense right now than, than Ryan Graves. There's very few players in the national hockey league that are playing worse defense than Ryan Graves at the moment. But you know, at the end of the day, 
the Penguins, they're going to look around. They're obviously in the market for one. You wrote that story a couple weeks ago. The Penguins are looking to add on the blue line. So we'll see what names pop up. Like I mentioned, it, it's difficult right now because a lot of teams are still in that hunt. And the teams that aren't, like are the Columbus Blue Jackets really going to trade with the Pittsburgh Penguins? Probably not. Are the Philadelphia Flyers who are in the hunt going to trade with the Pittsburgh Penguins? Probably not. So You got names I like, though. That's the sad they part do. about Philly. Yeah, Philly has a couple names that, you know, would be looking better on the western part of the state. But at the end of the day, we'll have to wait and see what Kyle Dubas does, but he does have a couple irons in the fire looking for help on the Pittsburgh Penguins blue line. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, what should the Penguins forward lines look like when fully healthy? We'll talk about that right after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, you mentioned you really only watched Penguins hockey over the weekend. Did you catch any of the Winter Classic yesterday? Uh, the highlights. I saw the goals. The highlights. Did you uh, see and Paul Bissonnette elbowing yes. I, whatever the Seattle Kraken's grungy? Bowie? It is Bowie. I was thinking, like, grungy? I don't know. Whatever. Something like that. But Bowie, uh, yeah, he, he certainly – that's going to be, like – I mean, Department of Player Safety is a joke. So that might be a $2,000 fine, the maximum allowable by the CBA somehow for elbowing. I don't know. Whatever Jacob Truba has gotten, that's probably what Biz is going to get for his elbow on on Bowie there. But no, I, I thought it was interesting. I watched the first half of the game and then obviously had to do a little bit more for New Year's Day. But, you know, I enjoyed enjoyed the first half of the game. I thought it looked cool. And, and like I said, Shout out to Seattle Kraken. They've been really good over the last couple of weeks, which uh, kind of hurts my heart because I would have liked to see the Pittsburgh Penguins maybe pluck a player or two from their organization if the if they're sellers at the deadline. But it uh, doesn't look like that might be the case with their recent hot streak as well. Let's get into the Pittsburgh Penguins here. What should their forward lines look like when healthy? Because as we sit here right now, we're unaware of whether or not Brian Rust will play tonight. There's a chance that he does. This is the first game that he's eligible to return since being put on LTIR in December. And he's been practicing in full capacity with the Pittsburgh Penguins over the past week. So we'll see if he's ready and eligible to return tonight. We'll see if he gets back in the lineup and what that does for the Penguins forward lineup. But Horwat, let's go through here line by line. And, and kind of break down what we think should be the Pittsburgh Penguins forward lineup if all of these players are healthy. Right now it's Rust, Nieto, and let's throw let's throw Yesapul Yarvi into the mix as well uh, and say if he's healthy and signed, where does he fit in this lineup? First line, Hora, what are you going with for the Pittsburgh Penguins? See, you, threw, you just threw Yessi Pooley, RV. I mean, I see <laughs> what I say. You, you you write it up and then there's names you forget. The yeah. first line, however, should be pretty easy. I know we discussed the idea of Brian Rust being on the third line with Lars Eller and Valtteri Pustinen because that would just be cooking with gas, but um, <laughs> Mike Sullivan threw a wet blanket all over that whenever I asked him. So yes. there goes that idea. So it'll be Brian Rust back on the first line with Crosby and Gensel. Just, uh, and that's not even the wrong answer, you know? That's no. one of the best analytical lines in hockey still. Mm-hmm. So you can't go wrong with that option. Mike Sullivan did have a ton of praise to say about Brian Rust anyway. Yeah. That no matter where he goes, he's going to make that line better. And he's right. So, first line. I'm going to say I disagree on that one. So, we're already different, which is nice. Because a lot of times we do this without telling each other. And we mm-hmm. run down the same lineup. But I don't think you take Ricard Raquel off that line. Ricard Raquel was not good before his injury. Since he's come back, though, five points in his first six games now. Since coming back, he had a four-game point streak that was ended against the New York Islanders on New Year's Eve. I think you keep it Gensel, Crosby, and Raquel simply because, you know, Ricard Raquel, although he should be able to play with Evgeny Malkin, he's shown to always play better with Sidney Crosby. And like you mentioned, Brian Rust, whatever line he goes on, he's going to succeed. So I would say you, you keep Raquel with Crosby. I know Mike Sullivan, for some reason just loves putting Raquel with Evgeny Malkin, even though it kind of looks clunky, especially compared to what he looks like with Crosby. But I would keep Raquel with Crosby and Gensel because he's finally getting on a rhythm for the first time this season. And that's something that you cannot afford to lose. You need him to be at the level that he's been at since he returned from injury. That's fair too. There's no wrong answer for Raquel either, really. Yeah. Um, He's finding a good rhythm finally, but um, I think because in my head, I'm looking at as, Raquel as if the Penguins are going big game hunting at the trade deadline, he's the option. 
I think. That's kind of why, in my head, he's kind of been bumped down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, if, if the Penguins want to keep him around, keep him around, I think he's a positive and useful piece for a playoff run, for, you know, whatever it may be, then, yeah, absolutely. Him on the first line also makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I think putting him in, we'll get to it, is also a fun option. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like it just – all the all the stuff surrounding the Pittsburgh Penguins, looking at their lineup, if they're going to go for a significant move at any point this season, doesn't it just feel like it's going to have to be a three-team trade? <sighs> just <the laughs> Somebody's going to have to go the other direction yeah. because they have no space. It, not even space, just the way the Penguins and Kyle Dubas handed out modified no-trade clauses. Yeah. Or even Ron Hextall, for that matter, if we're talking Raquel. Um to A, retain salary, and B, get around the clauses, there's it might have to be a three-teamer, especially if, like I said, the Peng- if the Penguins want to go big game hunting here, I mean, they're dealing with likely dealing with other players with modified, so you yeah. have to really make some shenaniganery happen. Shenaniganery, I like that one. Uh, good Was that word of the day for January 2nd, Horwat? I like it. <laughs> I, I need to get a new uh, little calendar, actually. <laughs> Let's move over to the second line, though. Is this where you put Brian Russ? Or, sorry, you said Brian Russ on the first line. Is this where you put Ricard Raquel? No. I'm no. keeping the okay. second line as is. I like this Drew O'Connor in the top six idea. No, it's not a phenomenal idea. But there's something about his confidence and speed playing with Malkin that it's weird. It's the same reason why I really enjoyed the idea of Brian Russ with Lars Eller, Valtteri, Valtteri Pusina, though. That's weird, but it's for some reason looks like it could be a ton of fun. If Malkin and Riley Smith are able to find rekindle that spark they had, mm-hmm. it should also mean good things for Drew O'Connor. It's the same reason why we kept thinking Ricardo Kell was gonna wake up in the beginning of the season. Yeah. That sort of fire should wake up their their third member of the line. But something about Drew O'Connor, the speed, he's finding confidence and he's finding ability. I, I think he just deserves the chance. I think he's getting the chance right now, um, and we'll talk about where I would put Drew O'Connor, but it's not on the second line. So we're, we're going to get very, very different here. Uh, second line, I do have Brian Rust on the second line, not being on the first line, but I do put him on his off wing. We've seen him do it in the past. I don't know how comfortable he is on his off wing. Uh, it all depends on if he performs there after maybe five, six games of putting him there, but I'd like to see if it works. Brian Rust on the left, Guinea Malkin at center, of course, and I'd like to see Valtteri Pustin. So that's a that's a line we have never seen before, and I think that's a line that could succeed. You have Brian Rust that gives you similar attributes to a Drew O'Connor, like you mentioned. He's speed, he's forechecking, he's a wrecking ball, he creates open ice for his teammates and his line mates. Evgeny Malkin always loves those speedy guys. He's succeeded with Rust in the past. I think that's why he's succeeding with Drew O'Connor. You see so many times he's coming out of the zone. If there's nothing available, he puts the puck high in the air, and he says, all right, Drew, go get it. And, and, it, and it works because Drew O'Connor is fast. It lets him get on the defenseman, and it creates havoc in the offensive zone. And I just like what Valtteri Pustinen has done. And whatever line he's been on has started to succeed. You see that in the bottom six, the last couple of games. Third line has scored, I believe, three goals in the last two games since he went to that line. And, yeah, he's not scoring the goals particularly. He's not the singular guy getting the you know primary assist. But seems like wherever he goes... Scoring success follows, so I would like to see him back in the top six with Malkin and Rust, and that, again, all hinges on whether or not Rust is comfortable and plays well on his off wing. He's done it in the past. Can he do it now? That's uh, that's the question that I ask, which leaves third line, Riley Smith, Lars Eller, and if he's healthy, if he's signed, and if he's ready to play, that's where I put Yesapul-Yarvi. So I have Riley Smith, Lars Eller, and Yesapul-Yarvi as a third line, and I think that that is... We could just call that the Sully line right off the bat. Defensively prudent. Smith brings a little bit of a finishing punch, but these guys are hard to play against, and they love, they love and take pride in protecting their own zone. Love a good Sullyism there with hard to play against. Yep. That does sound tough to play against. And, and like I said, when I wrote up this lineup, I kind of forgot Jesse Pugliari was around, which sucks because he's. I want to see him, A, sign a contract with this team, and B, perform pretty well. I think I've been barking up his tree for how long now? Um, So finally getting to see it just needs to all work out, needs to be healthy. And I think him, that needing to be healthy piece is part of why I have him still a little lower. Yeah. Um, But I do love this idea of this line because, again, I like the idea of getting goofy. This is an interesting Lars Eller. He said Riley Smith and Pugliarvi. Again, one we have never seen before, but they all bring 
that Mike Sullivan aspect to them. Uh, my third line here, again, it's a little goofier, but it's got scoring punch because I love the idea of scoring in the depth, which is what the Penguins need sometimes. I have Lars Eller centering Valtteri Pusinen and Ricard Raquel. There's that. Yeah. That's just the way it's rolling in my head, and then that my fourth line straight up defense. <laughs> for, all right, well, what, what, what do you got for fourth line? We'll go straight into it. Yeah, it's uh, Nolachari centering mm-hmm. Matt Nieto, and you're going to have to make decisions on Jeff Carter and Jesse Pugliarvi. I mean, that's the fourth line they started the season with, and before that injury to both Achari and Nieto at the same time, that line was starting to click. And, yeah. and since that line has gone down, since Achari went down and came back, um, and then Nieto still working his way back, Jeff Carter's been pretty good. Yep. I mean, that's been the that's been the general consensus. Jeff Carter has been pretty good in the role that he's been given. He's not a guy that you want to move up in the lineup. He's not a guy that you want to move to center. You want him right there, fourth line, right wing, and say, all right, you're going to take two face-offs a game, and you're going to play your game for eight to nine minutes a game a night and it has worked swimmingly over the past couple of weeks for the Pittsburgh Penguins so I don't think you mess with that I think you leave Jeff Carter there I also did put yes a up in the lineup a little bit more Noel Lachari is of course your fourth line center and the person I haven't mentioned yet you put him on your second line Drew O'Connor on the left side so I think O'Connor Achari Carter I like that as your fourth line and that leaves Guys like Nieto, Henestrosa, and Harkins is your extra forwards, and and that has redeemed Zahorna far far in the minors. I think fourth option after those three still. It really does seem like that uh, late penalty he took against the Blues was the final straw. I mean, yeah. he's healthy scratch the next day. Sullivan did say afterwards that that was a performance thing. So yeah. that might be the last we see redeems Zahorna in the NHL for a long time, and it doesn't help that Jansen Harkins has started picking up a couple of points. I mean, up until those last <clears throat> two games, he didn't seem too much like an NHL player either. Uh, um, I still think in those games he hasn't, but he's made some NHL passes. He's, he's been, like, proving <laughs> himself, yeah. And uh, honestly, good on Vinny Henestrosa for taking everything in stride. I think he only played maybe five minutes last game. Yeah, he was not out there very often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good on him for taking this all in stride and still being a uh, good teammate about it. I wanted to see him do better. Uh, or at least get more opportunity. And we were not even halfway through the season yet, and it's been a it's been a jumbled mess. And players have gone up and down. Somebody else could could falter, and, and it could earn him a, a lineup spot and an opportunity again. I think he's done well enough to keep himself in that conversation. If there's an injury, that he's one of the first names you call upon. Yeah, and as I'm looking at it, I need to look into the details of it. If uh, make sure if may, maybe there was some penalty kill involved here. He played. Vinny Henestrosa played at least in terms of sheer time on ice. More than Valtteri Pustinen. Interesting. By a couple of seconds, but... Still interesting. I mean, Valtteri Pustinen was moved down to the bottom six, but thinking of that game against the Islanders, there was a lot of power play time, and Pustinen getting moved off the top power play probably takes away from that, and I do remember they took a couple of penalties in the third period, so, you know, maybe that's that's just the, the case in point that you know, it was just a victim of circumstance, which is why you have to look into it deeper, obviously. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on that. And, and the last thing I'll say before we head to break here and answer a listener question from Spotify, actually, uh, in our last segment, I have O'Connor on the fourth line. I've been pretty harsh on O'Connor over the past couple of weeks and his performance. He's performed better over the last couple of weeks. But while I do think he's performed the season above a fourth line level, is there really space for him? In my opinion, not in this lineup. Because if you look at the left side, it's Gensel. I'm moving Rust over to the left side, which leaves no space for him. It's Gensel, Rust, and Smith. And he's not playing above any of those guys. And on the right side, it's Raquel, Pustin, and Pugliarvi. And again, that's, you know, it's it's. I think that if this happens, if this ends up being the lineup one day, um, which probably won't, uh, but if this ends up being the lineup one day, I think you're you're pretty happy with a Drew O'Connor on the fourth line with Nolachari and Jeff Carter. But I think either of our lineups, much better than uh, what it was a couple weeks ago when a lot of these guys were injured. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, like we like we mentioned, like this is a lineup that we're putting together barring trade, uh, trade proposals, trade ideas. Because yep. I, I think an ideal lineup here might not have, like I said before, might not have Ricardo Kell in it. It might have a new third line center where Lars Eller's on the fourth line with Achari moved to the side. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving and shaking that could still happen. Sam Pooley could still get recalled. Yeah. He's back and healthy and playing pretty well. Colin White's another player. He has eight goals at the minor league level. I mean, forgot about Colin White. Yeah. I mean, there, there's guys that they have yet to try yeah. out. Rem Pitlick's down there. Uh, his offensive numbers aren't, aren't phenomenal in the AHL this year, but also... Uh, as State of Hoppy told me, which congratulations to State of Hoppy having his first kid. Um, but 
as he told me. Uh, all gas, no breaks from Rem Pitlick. I'm not sure how well that would go over with uh, Mike Sullivan and a team, like we mentioned, that is struggling on the defensive side of the puck. But, you know, there's a lot of options in organization. There might be some options out organization, but we'll leave that to uh, to a future date to discuss some trade targets on the forward side. Let's talk about some free agents in the next segment to close out the show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We mentioned we have a listener question from Spotify, which we do check the Spotify. I think it's Q&A is what it is, not comment section. So the Q&A, if you leave a question, it's not going to post on the on the episode, but it does send us a message. We're going to start monitoring that a little bit more often, more frequently, and getting questions. So if you have questions and you're listening on Spotify, submit it on the Q&A, and we will uh, probably get to it at some point here on the show. This one comes from Jason Michael, who, to pull the carton back, he also asked a question over the weekend. We'll get to that. I think I'll get to that tomorrow on, a, on an iceberg to go. But for this one, Jason Michael says, new to the podcast, been listening for the last two months, and then I love it, which... Appreciate that, Jason. Says, would love to hear your guys' thoughts on free agents out there if Jesse Pujarvi doesn't get signed. Possible return of question of Kessel, question mark. Let's start with the Kessel thing, Horwat. Yep. Possible return of Phil Kessel. Do you see it in the cards? Do you think it would benefit the Penguins? We talk um, about this a lot. We do. It's <laughs> it's fair to. He's still, a, he's still a former fan favorite in this town and still looking for a contract there was a rumor he might go yeah. to switzerland to try and get some get some uh games under his belt um it's not looking too hot for phil kessel though it's a real curiosity what's going on with him uh, but <laughs> phil kessel is nothing if not charismatic when it comes to those sort of things i think at this point in the penguins lineup he doesn't fit anymore uh they seem to have their stuff sorted out as we just kind of had a whole lineup discussion about the forwards i don't know where he would fit into this group especially on the left side because that's right he's on the left side yeah um it's the only place really he'll slot in uh he's not gonna obviously not obviously not gonna play center and obviously not gonna play too much on the opposite end of things um but the penguins seem to have their wings at least whichever side it may be he is a right wing right wing then yeah, it's definitely filled out i mean yeah that's i would have said maybe the left if we can filter it but with rust you know in a bunch of forwards able to play both sides with rust o'connor raquel we mentioned paul yarvey jeff carter if you want to throw pustin in over there mm-hmm. there is just too many names it's just too much of a log jam for him to fit plus again the production is there it, power play specialist ugh. i mean what's he gonna do at five on five where are you putting them yeah yeah, at this point, I think you look at what Phil Kessel brings, and is it that much more than the guys you already have in here that have played in the first 36 games? And also, you introduce that as a locker room aspect. He's a big personality. Yeah. Um, and obviously, he has history with a lot of the guys in the locker room, specifically the core three in Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. But you, know, you look at what he brings, and the last time we saw him, he was a healthy scratch for the Vegas Golden Knights who were lifting the Stanley Cup. He did score 14 goals last year, and he does bring that, but he is similar to... You know, uh, and Eric Carlson, he is an adventure on the defensive side of the puck. Um, so I, I just don't know if that's what the Penguins need right now. Obviously, it's a name that is always going to be brought up in Penguins land, if, especially if he is available and he's looking for work. And, and right now, that's what he is. But I just don't think it's it's what the Penguins need right now. While I do think they need a little bit of extra scoring, I don't think he brings a complete enough game to warrant knocking out of Valtteri Pustin and out of the lineup, knocking out a Drew O'Connor out of the lineup. I think what they bring is a little bit more needed right now for the Pittsburgh Penguins than what Phil Kessel could bring in one of those roles. Let's not forget the youth aspect too, of it, too. Uh, if Phil Kessel joins this team, you're adding a 35-year-old player. Uh, that hasn't played. That hasn't played and likely taking out someone under the age of 28, 29. It's not ideal, especially for yeah. the oldest team in the league. Yeah, and it's it, age is a thing that, you know, it gets brought up a lot. I think you're looking at foot speed, which Phil Kessel historically has had, but again, what does he look like? It, it's the same thing that we're asking with Jesse Pugliarvi. The only difference is Pugliarvi is 25 years old. We're, we're asking, what does he look like? And from, from the reports that you've been sending me via text message or what have you, <laughs> Slack message, Jesse Pugliarvi skates in a way that you enjoy watching. It's He's interesting because he's tall as hell, but 
it looks like he plays with a stick for a youth player. <laughs> uh, that there's something about that hunch that's so entertaining. It, it's not yeah. bad though. He looks like he's got a little bit of an Evgeny Malkin gallop to him. Again, that might just be the size coming into play with mm-hmm. um, just some interesting aspects to his game. I just like the way he plays, and I think he could genuinely be a good, useful piece to this lineup. Now, Horowat, let me ask you a question. Have you looked at the available free agents at the NHL right now, outside of a, a Phil Kessel? Have you seen the list of available free agents? Uh, I just looked at it like two seconds ago. Um, yeah. There's not too many other names. I, the Capitals just scooped up probably the biggest name that was available in Ethan Bear. Yep. Um, aside from that, uh, we tossed out and discussed the idea of Josh Bailey. We did. Yes. Not too long ago. Um, but outside of that, I mean, these names are not striking too much fear for Mm -hmm. reasons of, for reasons beyond any of these players, you know, uh, control. I think Oscar Clefbaum could have been fun, but again, his career's over. His career's over. Injured to hell and back. Jonathan Taves, no thanks. Just too old. He's also taken a year off, I believe, is what he said. Yeah. Who knows Whether he that. sticks to that once the playoffs come around is a different question, but yeah. he's supposedly taking a year off. Yeah. But, like, you look at some of these names down there. I mean, Kiefer Bellows, did, 25, didn't receive a qualifying offer, maybe for a reason. I think he's playing in an AHL with the Toronto Marlies on an AHL contract right now. So, yeah. I mean,. I'm just throwing off names that are listed on cat friendly here. Nolan yeah. Patrick, I, he's 24, but what we no one knows what is, exactly is going on with his future. He may have retired already. Um, so even if you wanted to go Ryan Dezingle at the age of 31, not super old compared to this team, but what does he really have going for him? He didn't play all of last year. Yeah, does he move the needle? And that's the thing. You you can add just for adding sake, but I don't think a lot of these players move the needle. To answer your question, Jason, I mean. At the end of the day, you look at what's available out there, and there is not very much. And we talked about the defensive side of things. We talked about that they're going to need to add something, maybe somebody that can play in that top four, maybe somebody that can play a defensive style. On the defensive side of the, the puck, there's like six guys. And two of them you mentioned there, or one of them was Ethan Bear. He's off the market now. He's with the, the Washington Capitals. The other one was Oscar Clefbaum. He's practically done with his career jake gardner's technically on this list via cap friendly his career is basically over with a chronic back issue so i mean you look at the availabilities maybe alex edler but he's 37 years old like at the end of the day are you bringing him in for 20 games can he be a defensive guy next to eric carlson allow you to bump down ryan graves yes but what really are you getting out of alex edler i i mean he didn't even receive a PTO last summer. And let, yeah. let's see, there's 32 teams in the NHL, at least six defensemen per team, let's say at bare minimum. That's what, 198 defensemen? And Alex Edler didn't even get a PTO? He wasn't in the top 200 NHL defensemen? Is that really somebody you want to bring in in the middle of the season to be in your top four? Uh, not really. So, I mean, if they're going to find some answers here, on the defensive side, it's it, I think it's got to be from a trade. I don't think there's anything really available to you on the free agent market. On the forward side, you mentioned Josh Bailey Horwat. We've talked about him a couple times. I'll say it again. Zach Parise is a great net front presence. Would be a decent bottom six guy for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, he's a bit older, but you're, you're asking him to come in and play, what, 40 games in a playoffs, hopefully. I think Zach Parise has, at the very least, that left in his tank. So, But again, what does he provide? Outside, I mean, he provides a little bit of a different aspect. He's great at deflections. He's great in the net front. So uh, maybe you bring him in and you put him on the fourth line. And especially if the what Jason mentioned comes to pass where they don't sign Yesapul Yarvi, maybe then you bring in a Zach Parise and see what he has left to give. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's three names of, what, 30 right now that are on the open market according to Cap Friendly. And, and that is three names that don't really inspire, oh, we must go get them now. Yeah, it's a tough, it's tough. That's that's why you don't see too many free agent signings in the middle of the season. These guys are usually claimed in the middle of the offseason. That's um, why you just don't see those additions happen too often. That's why it's kind of rare of what they're doing with Jesse Pugliarvi here. It's a not even a contract he got handed. He's given a tryout. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, Aaron Dell is up here, but he's getting, you know, again, a tryout essentially with the, hurricanes who knows exactly how that's going to go for him it's these names on here are up here for a reason mostly it's 
not too many of these names are out here looking to even play again, really. It's, I mean, they would probably like to in certain, certain names here, but what can they bring whenever teams have, whenever 32 teams across the league have built their rosters and built their lineups to their specifications that they like? Yeah. Uh, if they liked one of these names, I mean, there's clearly no one else chomping for them. They'd have yeah. gone for them. Yeah, so uh, the free agent market is uh, is slim pickings. So uh, what we're probably thinking that you're going to see is is going to end up being somebody from the trade market. And uh, Jason Michael also asked about Michael Bunting. That was his second question uh, that he brought a couple days ago. That's one that I might uh, I, I might dig into a little bit today and talk about tomorrow. I mean, Horowat, instant reactions. You hear Michael Bunting because Carolina's in a rough spot. He's performed very well for them. They don't have goaltending. <laughs> I'd How much out. would you pay for him? And yeah. here's the thing. They're looking for goaltending in exchange. So would you trade an Alex Nedeljkovic for him? No. No. I, the goaltending carousel that's about to start in the NHL, it probably mm. already has started in the NHL, mm. um, the Penguins should not be a part of. They like their two guys. Heck, they like their three guys if it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's just a, that's a ride the Penguins should avoid just for sake of they like what they have. What they have is winning. It's one of the best it's duos carrying in the NHL. Them. Yeah. yeah. How about how about it's carrying them right now? Yeah. Let's let's not mess with that. Yeah. It's a big part of why they're you know successful. So it's one they should avoid. You can't send out one of your goalies. So in a normal year, in a normal year, maybe you're looking at Alex Nedeljkovic and going, hey, you know, it's not bad piece. Magnus Helberg can carry some of a backup load. It's not terrible. That would be a deal you make closer to the deadline, though. Yeah. Uh, but this time around, I mean, this duo is working really well, and they yeah. might start using them at a 50-50 split almost. And I was going to say, that's also a deal that if you make, you haven't been paying attention to the Penguins hockey the last couple of years and what Tristan Jari needs in the second half of a season, which is he needs an Alex Nedeljkovic. He has him. it this year. Is it going to change? You know, um, that's that's one of the big storylines. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on everything. Uh, obviously, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in a better position now than they were two weeks ago. They're one point out of a playoff spot. They're four points out of second place in the Metropolitan Division. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Speaking of the Metro, big matchup tonight. Penguins at the Capitals. It is an ESPN Plus exclusive. So it'll be on ESPN Plus and Hulu for all of you listeners out there that are wondering why it might not show up on your Sportsnet Pittsburgh. It's because it is on ESPN Plus. It is on Hulu. And for me, I'm very grateful for that because if it was normal game i wouldn't have been able to watch it because i'm in the washington area we love blackouts uh but that's gonna do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast thank you guys so much for tuning in we will see you guys later on in the week 